today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We were talking earlier this week about uh, the negotiations uh, with CUPE. Uh, these are the school support workers and, and, of course, the provincial government. And one of many contracts, by the way, that they're going to have to negotiate in the next few months. Uh, but that's only a, a microcosm of what's going on here. I mean, uh, you know, we've gone through hell, quite frankly, over the last two and a half years because of the pandemic and shutdowns. And uh, people have lost jobs, lost money, certainly. And uh, there are people that are simply going to say, look, it's, it's time to, to try to make up for this right now. Uh, workers want a fair deal. And invariably, uh, there's going to be some conflict and headbutting between employers and employees when it comes to compensation in situations like this. Uh, interesting op-ed piece that appeared in the Toronto Star a couple of days ago. It uh, says, the new villain, workers fighting for better wages, don't fall for it. And uh, the author is uh, Armin Yalnitsian, who is, of course, economist and uh, Atkinson Fellow on the future of workers. And uh, Armin joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, first of all, great to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for inviting me. If I uh, frame to think a very important issue here about uh, the, the, the battle that's always going to go on, and sometimes, sadly, it turns into a, a battle uh, between employees and employers, union wages, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I've talked to a number of people over the last little while, I mean, as I'm sure you have, uh, that have simply said, look, it, it's time to catch up. You know, we're getting battered here. We're falling way behind. Inflation is running rampant. Uh, we we didn't get any salary increases. We didn't get much of anything during the pandemic. And we still got bills to pay, uh, which sounds like a pretty strong argument. Uh, and you would think that employers might simply say, you know, you're right. Let's try to find an accommodation here. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? No, it really doesn't because... It is tough times for everybody, including employers and including governments that are seeing windfall revenues because of what's happening to our exports. Um, But for consumers, it's a very, very tough time. And not all consumers are workers and the work, not all workers can ask for more or feel that they can ask for more because they're not organized. They're one, one at a time. And so you're going to see this kind of cascade of, you know, guy has terrible day at the office, comes back, yells at his wife, wife yells at eldest child, eldest child yells at younger child, younger child kicks the cat, you know, like that cascade of misery is coming up to a neighborhood near you. And it's very difficult to say you didn't done me harm. Uh, But uh, it really is at a much higher level that the problem has started. It's just that we're going to find somebody very convenient to blame for who's giving you a pain in the you know what. Well, and therein lies the problem. I mean, we know what the numbers tell us here, we know there's a worker shortage, just about every facet of, you know, not just in government, not just skilled trades. I mean, those are all important, but every other facet. Uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's in the uh, hospitality business, very successful here in the Mm. Hamilton area. And he was saying the same thing a lot of other people. He says, I can't get people to work here. Uh, And he he says, you know, know, pre-pandemic, I'd say, hey, there's a job opening. I get 50 people apply. Uh, nobody's applying for anything right now. So I understand where they're coming from. But with that and and with, you know, what people would think the market should see, hey, if there's not enough workers, if you want to be one of those workers, you got a pretty good chance of saying, okay, I want to negotiate a better deal so I've got some better compensation. But it doesn't seem to be working out that way. Um, I think we will see more rising compensation because of these dynamics. And you and I have talked before about what population aging. I don't know how old you are, Bill. I'm a boomer. And I'm not going to be working for that much longer uh, because I think it's time for, you know, people to clear the path and let 
other people take their place, their rightful place. Um, but people also need us, right? There's not enough workers. So, yeah. you know, we might be working longer than we were planning on working. But at some point, my dear, we are going to pass away. Our time on this planet will come and go. And it is the largest um, cohort of people to be born ever in history. And it has happened in every country around the world that had a baby boom after the Second World War. And our time is coming. So it's a very slow moving train of this dynamic. But what happened while we were in it, in our in our youth, um, is the world and the world's employers could count on a labor surplus. Not only mm -hmm. was it the largest uh, cohort to be born in history, but the girls thought they were just as good as the boys. So you had plenty of labor to go around. And now we are at that place where we've got plenty of capital, but we can't put the capital to work uh, because there's not enough people. So that will change the bargaining situation, the de facto bargaining situation of workers. Unless employers and governments come up with trickier <laughs> things, like, for example, pouring in temporary foreign workers while well, you can because that suppresses wage growth um, or, or uh, you know, ducking on paying taxes or stuff like that. Um, we're going to see all sorts of strategies to deepen people's pockets and prevent erosion of their power. Uh, but the natural trend in bargaining power is going to move towards workers. And we're just not used to it. We're not used to workers being able to ask for more. The last time we saw this was in the early 1950s. Prior to that, at the turn of the last century, and again before that, when industrialization was taking hold in the 1860s and 1870s, back then, you saw a birth of unions. In fact, Hamilton is famous for its unionization, its mm -hmm. union population, because it was an industrial heartland during the Second World War. And who were those workers? They were the women. Uh, that gave birth to the people that came right after them because they pulled out of the labor market when the men came home. So I just think that there's a lot to be said for us understanding there's a new moment in politics, there's a new moment in labor markets, there's a new moment in the economy. When more workers can ask for more, things are going to have to change. Uh, you're right. I mean, gone are the days when, you know, if you were discontented, the boss said, look, if you don't like it, I got 15 other people that want the job, uh, you know, do what you want to do. Now they're, they're, as you say, they're crying for it. And and uh, by the way, I, and I, I'm glad in the piece that you wrote, uh, you didn't say, okay, the employers are the bad guys and, and they, you know, they've been holding out and, and they're still holding out. Uh, they've got their challenges too. I mean, this is a 100%. very difficult time for all of us. Uh, you know, there's not too many of these businesses that are just rife with cash these days. Some are doing pretty well. Uh, but but are we ready to adopt that new mindset and say, okay, we're going to have to rethink it, that we can't use 20th century uh, thinking for a 21st century problem? No, I think no society pivots on a dime with what's been happening. And this isn't a dime. This has been going on for a little while. In fact, two months in 2019 raised the flag for what we were going to see. We saw historically low unemployment rates. When you said all the stats are pointing in the same direction, yeah. Unemployment rates at half-century lows, vacancies, job vacancies, breaking all records. They've moderated in the last couple of months, but don't forget the Bank of Canada has raised rates five times in six months with mm. the express intention of cooling demand, and cooling demand it did. Uh, job Jobs are still growing. Uh, the number of jobs are still growing, and the number of vacancies are still extremely high, but not as high as they were two months ago. So the Bank of Canada's recipe for 
taming inflation is working if you think that that's the right recipe is in my view the completely wrong recipe however you know you didn't ask me about that so your question are we ready to think a different way we are leaning very heavily on policies from the 1990s this ain't the 1990s mm-hmm. raising rates isn't going to do anything about gas prices about food prices about rent well it might moderate rents but right now what we're seeing is that these it, these Increases in borrowing costs are actually tending to increase rents. The lower the purchasing price of a new house, but they will increase the carrying cost of a new house. And consequently, the people that bought houses to rent them out as a source of income, where they can, they're raising rates. So rent control is more important than ever. And the people that are just saying, I can't carry this house anymore. Uh, dumping it and selling it or probably selling it for more than they did before. So the new owner will likely raise rates. Who's going to have to be the leader here, private or public sector? What a great question. Um, You know, historic change always comes from the streets. It comes from strength in numbers. So the slow erosion of the rules uh, that happened behind closed doors by strength in dollars, not in numbers. That will consi- that will continue apace. That's the way we do politics. That's the way politics have always been done. But the way you get change is fight for 15, which we got. Uh, the way you get change is more unionization. Expect more strikes. Expect more what looks like outlandish wage settlements as workers' collective agreements. Uh, and, for example, let me give you an example. There is um, a UFCW Uh, That's the United Food and Commercial Workers contract that came up that had been a six-year contract, and it's for stocking stocking shelf clerks. It's for cashiers. It's for people that get paid barely above the minimum wage. And the minimum wage went up by 3.3% last weekend from our working for workers government. Thank you. Um, When inflation rates are 7.6%, so less than half. Yeah. This contract, you know, they got a 96% strike mandate for these workers, I think 10,000 workers across the province in this local, working for Sobeys, no frills. So they're all the no frills guys and girls. And they're going to get a wage settlement. I don't know what it is. They're voting on it next week or the week after, whatever whatever the offer was, with a 96% wage settlement, uh, strike strike mandate in the background if they don't get enough. I don't know what they asked for. I don't know what they're going to get. But expect to see a lot more of this very vigorous action by large numbers of low-paid workers asking for more. And expect to hear, you can't ask for more. And I will just remind you, my friend, when is it a good time to ask for more if you're a worker? Never. Never. You know, that goes back to Oliver Twist days, right? Like, it's never a good time to ask for more. Well, you're going to be seeing a lot more workers asking for more. And my headline for that column was, don't fall for it, calling these people greedy. They can't make ends meet on their wages, given what's happening to food prices, gas prices, rents. So, you know, what do you expect people to do? Just lie on their back and put their feet up in the air and declare, uncle, you're right. You're more powerful than I am. I won't ask for more. No, expect a lot more strife. Exactly. Uh, it's a great piece, and you can check it out on the Toronto Star webpage, by the way. Uh, as always, Mar- I mean, thank you so much, uh, for first of all, for writing it. I think it's very insightful, and uh, it gives people a p- pretty decent perspective on what's going on. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Same to you. Thanks again for having me on your great show.
Thank you so much. Armin Yeltsinian, uh, who is an economist and Atkinson Fellow of uh, and the Future of Workers. And, and, and as you say, a guest columnist on the Toronto Star on a pretty regular basis. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.